0: The St. Eminence podcast. I'm Ian Beardsall. And I'm Simon Carley. Before we get on to talking about syncope, we should probably explain that Simon is currently in the small dark hole somewhere deep inside Virchester Hospital, and we're doing what we could only describe as guerrilla podcast recording. So there's a bit of an echo on his end of things, but hopefully it won't detract from the content or in any way from what he's got to say today. In this induction podcast, we're going to tackle syncope, the patient with a transient loss of consciousness. First of all, I think we should probably just think about patients who come into us with that familiar presenting complaint, that of collapse query cause. So, Simon, what do you first think about when you see a patient with that presenting complaint, collapse query cause? Because obviously, not all of them have had syncope. How do you decide who's had syncope and who hasn't?
1: Um, I think it's a really good question. When somebody's had a collapse, which is the other way of sort of describing it, I suppose, are we talking about something which is mechanical, so somebody's fallen over, or have they had some. Physiological reason for them to actually lose consciousness and hit the deck. It's really important to think about which one of those you're going to go down in terms of diagnostic pathways.
0: And I think, in the way that we do with emergency medicine, we should probably think about the worst case scenario first. And for these patients, the worst case scenario is a transient loss of consciousness rather than a tripped over the dog.
1: Absolutely. And there's a whole bunch of really nasty conditions which can present as a collapse. So abdominal aortic aneurysms, dysrhythmias, significant blood loss, neurological events. There's a whole bunch of things that could potentially be disastrous. And as emergency physicians, that's what we're going to look for. Interestingly, though, a lot of people will claim that they've had a mechanical fall, even if they haven't. And so we have to be very, very careful about that. When people say they've tripped
0: did they really? So perhaps the best first way to approach these patients is to assume they've had a syncopal episode and try them to prove otherwise. And almost a mechanical fall then becomes a diagnosis of exclusion. So let's go on to think about syncope and a couple of definitions first. So we've said already that it's a transient loss of consciousness. In my head, as it were, I like to think about that as being a transient global hypoperfusion. So there is for a brief period of time, a lack of blood flow to the brain. Now that can happen from several different causes. And It's probably useful to go back to some of our physiological basics here. So what we're really saying is that the cerebral perfusion pressure is veering towards zero. And as we remember, cerebral perfusion pressure is dependent on several other variables, not least the mean arterial blood pressure. Mean arterial blood pressure itself is dependent on cardiac output and total peripheral resistance. And cardiac output is dependent on stroke volume and heart rate. So actually, if any of those single variables veers towards zero, Because of the way the equations work, our cerebral perfusion pressure is going to fall. So each of the causes that we have for syncope are really down to the fact that one of those physiological variables is tending to lower for some reason. Simon, I guess we should really start by thinking about the cardiac causes of syncope, how those perhaps relate to those variables I've just talked about. But they're the things that are going to do for you in the end. And let's not forget that the transient loss of consciousness that persists, we can probably define as something different. We can probably just call that death. So it's important that we think about these cardiac causes first. How do you go about thinking about those?
1: So in terms of cardiac problems, we can just think about how the heart works really. So either the heart's not pushing out enough volume, so we've got a stroke volume issue. Or there's a rate problem, so it's not just going fast enough or going too fast. Or there's a problem with the blockage, so the blood just can't get out of the heart.
0: So we've got structural issues and rhythm issues. So if we start with those rhythm issues, Again, thinking about our physiology, we've perhaps got those times when the heart rate is becoming much slower and veering towards zero, those bradycardias. What groups of people do you think tend to get those?
1: People with underlying ischemic heart disease can. People who've got problems with uh, heart blocks, for instance, people who are on medications which slow the heart, such as beta blockers. Those are probably the two biggest groups that we see.
0: And I guess this comes down to our most important investigation in the patient with collapse query cause or fall or syncope, call it what you like, and that's the ECG. So we need to look carefully at the ECG to look for hints and tips that that patient who may be in sinus rhythm now could have at one point gone much, much slower.
1: I think there's a huge amount of information that you can gain out of the ECG. There's some quite common things, just looking at the rate, looking if they've got any degree of heart block, um, looking if they've got any intraventricular conduction disorders looking at the QRS complexes are normal, look at the ST segments. So you'll pick up some fairly obvious and common things, such as heart blocks. But then there's some really rare stuff there as well that you can pick up, and there's some things that emergency physicians fear, such as things like Brigada syndrome. So look at the ECG. If the ECG is not normal, and even if it's just you look at it and you go, I don't like the look of this, it looks a bit weird, get an expert to have a look at them. Get a senior emergency physician to have a look at the ECG and, and make head and tail of
0: it. Because really, these are the worst case scenario for our patients with transient loss of consciousness. Patients who have a cardiac cause, because this time their hearts managed to recover. But there is a chance that next time, if they have a further episode, their heart may not recover. And our transient loss of consciousness becomes a permanent loss of consciousness. So we're going to have a look at the ECG. At uh, my hospital, we actually have a chocolate bar challenge where the first junior doctor on the team who can spot a bifascicular or trifascicular block in a patient who's had syncope. They win a chocolate bar, actually paid for by me. That's how seriously I take this. I put my hand in my pocket. So look out for bifascicular and trifascicular block, and on the blog post, we'll give you some examples of those. So we've got the heart rate going too slow. We mentioned the heart rate going too fast. Now, obviously, that's because then the stroke volume falls. And we mentioned Brigada. What other conditions have you seen causing the heart rate to go fast and therefore the stroke volume to fall, Simon, causing a transient loss of consciousness?
1: Oh, these are interesting because you'll see some patients who present to the ED still in their tachydysrhythmia. So they arrive in VT or they arrive in FAST AF or they've got a, an SVT, and they're pretty easy, actually, because the diagnosis is there in front of you, and it's on the ECG. The tricky ones, I find, are the ones where they've had a transient tachydysrhythmia before they came to hospital, and now the ECG is either normal or near normal. And those are the ones where you're looking for things like Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome, you're looking for long QT intervals, which is a, a cause of, of pre-VT-type events. So very, very carefully look at the ECG, and what may appear to be normal at first glance...
0: You need to go back and have another look. And I think we've then struck on the key to, actually it's the key to emergency medicine, but the key to our syncopal patient is to ask them the history. So those patients who have a cardiac cause for their collapse will often present with a very familiar type history. They may have palpitations before they black out. So the the feeling of the heart beating too fast is very predictive of having a cardiac cause of your syncope. They usually get very little warning, but also a quick recovery. So these are all hints and tips. Don't forget, they have to have a quick recovery. Their blood pressure has to improve quickly, as we've said, because if not, this transient event is becoming more prolonged and their heart is no longer functioning in the way that it needs to. And a decent history and an examination and ECG should be able to help us diagnose cardiac causes of syncope in about three quarters of the patients who have them. So taking a good history is vitally important. So we've got the cardiac causes, thinking about rhythm. We did mention some structural issues as well. What are the structural things you're looking for?
1: Um, Well, you can have valvular disease, so if somebody's got significant aortic stenosis or uh, any other sort of valvular um, problem which restricts cardiac output, collapse in that group of patients is is very significant indeed because those patients have a a high likelihood of going on to have cardiac arrest. There's other things as well, such as pulmonary embolus as a cause of collapse and other restrictive and obstructive causes of
0: lack of cardiac output. So Simon, you mentioned there, we we were covering cardiac causes, but you brought the emergency physician's least favourite diagnosis into it there, and you mentioned PE. How is it that PE causes syncopal events? And it's
1: not very common, but it is potentially possible. A very large PE, which has caused a sudden obstruction to the pulmonary circulation, can restrict cardiac output and you can get collapse forming with that. Having said that, most of those patients, because it's got to be a big PE to do it, will present with other symptoms. So it's not one of the primary cardiac things, but it's worth just mentioning in passing.
0: The cardiac causes of syncope, they're the ones we need to reiterate are the most important. We've had to think about why they happen. We've got the heart going too slow and the cardiac output falling. We've got the heart going too fast and the stroke volume falling. And then we've got the structural causes where the stroke volume is falling again and the cardiac output is also falling. And as we say, a history, asking about how the pre- what happened to the patient before they collapsed, the examination, listening especially for heart murmurs, and then looking at the ECG. And that will get us the diagnosis in the majority of these patients. And as we've said, even if you're being told the patient presented with a mechanical fall, especially in the elderly, Think very hard about ruling out these diagnoses in that group of patients. So we've got the cardiac causes. Let's move on to another cause of syncope, transient loss of consciousness. Where do we fit epilepsy into this picture? Because that's not really transient global hypoperfusion, but I guess we need to think about it.
1: We do because it's one of the differentials. Um, You can usually differentiate on the history if somebody has a classical epileptic grand mal seizure so hopefully the patient will either have a witness that will tell you that they had epileptiform movements or there'll be other clues such as tongue biting classic patterns of injury or um, loss of uh, bladder control but they're not always present and I've got to say there are a group of patients who regularly get misdiagnosed as either being epileptic when it's cardiac or cardiac when it's epileptic and always when I see these patients I always have it in the back of my mind am I heading down the right road with this person
0: And in the c video that I recorded a couple of years ago, which we've included in the blog post, I tell a story there about a young girl who was diagnosed with epilepsy, presented on six or seven different occasions to doctors, and then actually died. And then it was only when her sister then presented with a similar problem and somebody did an ECG, that they, as a family, the two sisters were diagnosed with long QT syndrome. So both these disorders can cross over, they can get mistaken. And just think about each and every time you see A patient who's had a fit think could this be a syncopal episode and also the other way around if they've had a so-called syncopal episode could this be a seizure
1: there's some fantastic videos of German medical students bizarrely being induced to faint and having what appear to be epileptiform movements they're not actually epileptiform because they're asymmetric they if you from an experienced eye you can clearly see they're not but if you're taking a history from a witness who's not experienced in clinical medicine and clinical observation abnormal movements are not always due to epilepsy. They can clearly be present in people who lose cardiac output. Got to be very careful, take an excellent history, and get a really good description of what actually happened at the time.
0: Couldn't agree more. And in those patients... I tend to describe that then as a reflex anoxic seizure. These patients who've had a drop in oxygenation and as a reflex, they've had shaking movements. I think we see that especially in children where they've either had a breath holding event and then they've blacked out and then they've managed to shake a bit. But this is key. Again, the history is everything. And even a post ictal period isn't pathognomonic of epilepsy. I had a patient once, a 30 some year old young lady, who presented with a 20 minute post ictal period. And I was going down the seizure route, but I had a look at her ECG and she had barn long QT and ended up being admitted under the cardiology doctors. So you can have a prolonged period of confusion with a cardiac collapse, even though it's not as classical as we might say. So we've got those cardiac causes and we've got the seizure disorders we need to think about. Seizure isn't syncope in its classical sense, but can cause that collapse. Perhaps we can move on now. There's only a couple more left. So this... Worrying, presenting a of collapse query cause we can really make straightforward. We've got cardiac, we've got seizure disorders, and next I tend to think about causes of postural hypotension.
1: Okay, causes of postural hypotension, the big one has got to be stuff that we do to patients, drugs. Lots and lots of drugs call postural hypotension, and lots and lots of people are on those drugs. So it's a very, very common presenting thing to us in the ED.
0: And relatively easy to pick up, because actually all we need to do is recreate the circumstances where that posture changes, and see if the patient gets symptomatic. And I know that we ask our nursing staff all the time to check postural blood pressures, but I actually place a lot more emphasis on how does the patient feel. So if I lie the patient down for five minutes and then get them to stand up and they feel lightheaded and dizzy, that trumps for me whatever the blood pressure says although I still do the postural blood pressures, that helps me down that diagnostic route. So many elderly people are on so many medications these days, and I think the evidence of stopping medication is ever-increasing. We should be trying to do less to people, not more. But that can often be a cause and relatively easy to pick up.
1: I find it terribly amusing in my department when somebody comes along and says, the patient's lying and standing BP is normal, as I measured it on an automatic blood pressure machine, but they feel absolutely awful and they went white. So they've not got postural hypertension. I go, oh, really? I mean, they clearly have. I must admit, I quite like doing the postural hypertension thing myself, and I would agree with you entirely. We do it with the blood pressure machine lying down, standing up, but there's quite a lot of evidence now that that's pretty rubbish, actually, at picking up postural hypertension. It takes too long. And if the patient is symptomatic, the patient has something which requires investigation. I can't agree with you more.
0: And we then just need to think about special reasons for getting postural hypotension. And for me, there's two, one that affects young ladies, young women, and one that affects older people, often men. And again, this is the case of the emergency doctor having to rule out the worst case diagnosis. So in the older man who's had a syncopal event, with or without abdominal pain, I think you have to consider abdominal aortic aneurysm. And in the younger woman who's had a syncopal event, she has an ectopic pregnancy until proven otherwise. The nice thing for us is we have straightforward examinations To try and rule those in or rule them out.
1: I agree, in particularly with the young women getting a pregnancy test or doing an ultrasound to look for free fluid in the pelvis is very, very effective. In the abdominal aortic aneurysm patients, I'd include women there as well. Um, Men have been fairly effectively screened in some areas. So now, paradoxically, we're seeing quite a lot of women come through with AAAs. And so any patient who's had a collapse over the age of pick a number, I'd say 60. Any patient who's had a collapse over the age of 60 gets an ultrasound in the ED to rule out AAA.
0: And the best thing about all of these investigations that we've mentioned so far is that it can all be done by us in the emergency department taking control of the whole patient episode and making crucial diagnoses and ruling out life-threatening conditions. So so far we've got our cardiac causes, we're doing a history and examination targeting to those. We're going to listen to the heart and we're going to do an ECG looking for those arrhythmias. There's seizure disorders which although not syncope we're going to think about and then we've got these postural elements and these causes of hypotension and we're going to think about doing a postural blood pressure ourselves. And even if the blood pressure results are normal, if the patient is symptomatic, that is significant. Add to that a pregnancy test and a abdominal aortic ultrasound, all done by us in the emergency department, and we're pretty much getting there now, aren't we? What's left?
1: Well, I suppose we've gone through all the really tough stuff. What about just fainting? Is it not allowable for somebody to just faint, have a vasovagal?
0: I think it's very much allowed, and it's a relief to me when I do see a patient who I've decided hasn't got any of these really nasty things and actually do you know what they just got a bit lightheaded and dizzy because you know brad pitt drove past in his ferrari and the young girl got a bit swoony and the young man saw blood and became a bit anxious and nervous and then they all fell over and came around very quickly i don't mind somebody fainting in fact i quite like it
1: yeah so do i and i think you can spot those patients who have had a vasovagal but it's important to safety net them I have to accept that some of the patients I see who I see have had a collapse, who I don't think has got anything serious going on, may actually have something which has just not revealed itself yet. So I'm very careful about safety netting any patient I make a diagnosis of vasovagal in. If you have any further problems, if you're worried, if there are concerns, if it's different next time, please seek advice. We're always open. We're always happy to see people again.
0: And the caveat to that, I think, is it's unlikely that the older person has their first vasovagal at the age of 70. I think any older person who presents with a faint, you have to consider that there's a probable sinister cause rather than writing it off. So any time a doctor comes and says to me, yes, this 75 year old man's presented with his first vasovagal, I'm going back to the beginning and I'm starting to think afresh about what that diagnosis might be.
1: Yeah there's three biggies actually for me. Uh, One is uh, this 75 year old man has just developed his first ever migraine. No he hasn't. Secondly this 85 year old lady has just developed renal colic for the first time. Uh, No. And the last one is as you say this uh, elderly gentleman has a vagal. He's on a shed load of drugs. He's he's got ischemic heart disease. He's an arteriopath but I think it's just a bit of a faint. Can he go home? Oh he's got a bit of a murmur as well. Is that all right?
0: So these are the patients that, as consultants in emergency medicine, we're always on the lookout for, trying to just help guide you to make sure that we pick up the people who have those life-threatening conditions. Simon, you've perhaps seen a patient with a cardiac, suspicious for a cardiac cause. Do they all get admitted? Um, No. There's quite
1: a few patients, particularly younger patients, who you might have identified as having a tachyterus secondary to something like Wolf-Parkinson-White. Who you may well be able to advise and manage as an outpatient, but the majority will require admission, monitoring and a specialist opinion. That, that first collapse, you want to be the, you want to be the warning collapse. You don't want it to convert itself into what you describe as a very, very, very long period of hypoperfusion, also known as death.
0: So any patient who is suspected suspect of having a cardiac syncope needs discussing with a senior emergency physician and you're likely then to talk to your cardiological colleagues about what happens next. So I think we've covered the majority of the things that we need to think about when it comes to the patient who presents to the emergency department with collapse query calls don't forget that our first priority is to rule out syncope in these patients and then to think about those things that we've talked about and only after that we've thought about those things are we going to come down to saying the patient's had a mechanical fall or a non-life-threatening cause of collapse. Simon I think that's covered everything is there anything else you wanted to ask? Uh, Yeah there was just one question if that's all right. Always I love your final questions what's the last thing? Well, one thing we haven't
1: discussed, one of the things which we don't use, actually, are any of these decision rules for collapse. So things like the San Francisco syncope rule.
0: Well, I think it's difficult to find a decision rule in these patients who have such diverse pathology to find a set of criteria that will help us to say who's safe and who's not. The San Francisco syncope rule is interesting because let's remember that one of the key criteria in that is an abnormal ECG. And that any patient with an abnormal ECG should probably be admitted. And what we've said is exactly that. And I think it's down in the end to a history examination and some simple investigations. But I don't know yet that there's a decision rule that can help us do that without going back to what medicine's all about. And that's talking to the patient and thinking about what could be causing their collapse.
1: I think you're right. And the the data around a lot of the rules which have been tried in this area, because it's a big area of medicine, None of them have survived validation thus far. So they can be used, in my mind, perhaps as a decision aid, but they are not yet reached the criteria
0: that I would consider them rules. So we come back to the idea that emergency medicine is all about being good doctors. That's why I think, Simon, I love it so much. That's what medicine is. Emergency medicine is true medicine. It's down to us to ask the right questions and do the right focused examination investigations. And you will pick these patients up but it can be life-threatening, the causes. So please ask your seniors for review. Look carefully again at those ECGs and listen carefully to those hearts. There's more on the blog site to help pick out some of the key learning points from our podcast. We hope you've got something from today's session. Please do get in touch with any examples or cases? And perhaps even there should be There's an Emlyn's chocolate bar for the first patient who can email us anonymised ECG showing bifascicular or trifascicular block. And again, I'll very happily send you out that Yorkie bar with glee. Uh, of course, unless you're an international listener, in which case you might have to come to the UK to pick it up. Yeah,
1: uh, Ian, you did actually say it was the first patient to pick up their own bifascicular, trifascicular block. So I think your Yorkie bar is pretty safe, mate. Did
0: I? What, in that last yes. bit just then? <laughs> yes. Oh, did I? Yeah, keep it in. Okay. And so from us at St Emlyn's, take care and keep enjoying your emergency medicine and we'll speak to you soon. Have fun. (laughs)